Welcome back to the Rack Podcast. This is Sonia Rieger. If you didn't catch the last episode featuring electrical engineer Chris Moonsammy, you can listen to that one and all the Rack Podcasts on rack.edu slash about dash rack slash podcast. Or listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. We've got an exciting and special guest with us today who has been giving back to our community for many years. She worked with NASA and also with the Department of Veterans Affairs. But instead of me listing all of her activities and achievements, I'll let her tell you about herself. Please welcome Kai Miller. Hi, Sonia. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for being with us today. Sure, I'm excited. So tell me about your work at NASA. That's the most interesting to me, so let's start there. Yeah, actually, so I was a uh, journalism major. I became an an English major. I was a reporter and an editor um, by background. And I moved to Houston, Texas to finish my college degree. And there's not a ton of jobs in journalism in Houston. So I found a communications job at NASA at Johnson Space Center and started working there. And it was... As cool as everybody imagines it would be to work at NASA, you're surrounded by really brilliant people. Uh, And while I was there, actually in 2003, the shuttle Columbia tragedy happened, and I was a first responder to that. So I got a really fast and critical lesson in what it's like to respond to an emergency, use crisis communications, just stay calm, stay focused, and work for the good of the organization and the American people. And for me, that was, uh, that really lit a fire in me for service and public service and being a a public servant, a federal employee. So it really started most of my career. So did you get to work on any of the other space shuttles or crafts that were going on at that time? Um, Yeah, so actually I shifted up to NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., and I was in what's called the Exploration Systems Mission Directorate, and our job was to help return America to the moon and then go on to Mars and then explore the solar system beyond. So I was working in a program that was not established at that time. We got to figure out the design of all of the spacecraft that would do these things, um, map out the strategy, and then do all the education and outreach, which was really my job, was the cool, you know, take the space suit out so people can try it on and things like that. That is so cool. Yeah, That's really fun. neat. So what did you do after that? Uh, so NASA, a lot of the people who work at NASA are former military, and a lot of them are former Navy fighter pilots. You know, pilots tend to get into aerospace. And a group of them had found roles at the Department of Veterans Affairs. They really wanted to serve the people that they had served with in the military. So they were shifting to VA and asked me to come along with them as a communications specialist. Uh, My grandfather is an Air Force vet, and he is one of the most important people in the world to me. And I saw it as a way not just to give back and not just to serve the American public, but to serve my granddad. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty powerful to me. And I was going to be working in the IT organization, which I had an interest in. So so I moved over to VA and spent the next 13 years of my career there. So how did you transition out of being this government official into what you're doing now, which is with Emerald One? Oh, 
that's actually so summing up 13 years. Um, so I uh, when I left VA, I was actually the chief of staff of the IT organization. So I was an executive and it was at the end of the Obama administration. And I served about six months under the Trump administration. But when you're at that level in the federal government, it tends to be a pretty hectic pace. It gets very high pressure. You work exceptionally long hours. And I was away from my family. I lived I lived in DC and then I would come back here to Reading on the weekends. So I transitioned out because I needed to. Um, I needed to be around my kids. And I really did it just by I need to go, I want to go serve my community in Reading versus the entire country now. Sure. I needed to sort of narrow my focus. So I came home and I spent six months really focused on just volunteer work and what I could do here in Reading, you know, on my farm versus these big big things that I had been doing for a while. So Emerald One, I actually co-own with two of my former co-workers from VA, but it's a little bit more flexible in terms of we own the company, we set our own hours, and public service is very important to all three of us. So we make sure we divide our time between paid work and the work that fulfills all of us individually. Sure, that makes sense. So what does Emerald One do exactly? Great question. So we do um, tech technology and strategic communications consulting for both the federal government and private companies. So I'm the chief creative officer, which means anything related to telling our clients stories is Uh, my area. And that might be visually through graphic design. It might be a podcast like we're doing here. But because of my background, bridging that gap between IT and non-IT people, regular people. Sure. um, That's that's my sweet spot. So we tend to work with technology leaders and tell their stories in a way that other people would understand. Oh, neat. Okay. So why is this kind of field so important to you? You know, I read your bio a little bit and I read about how you're very passionate about STEM education and coding. So what makes that so important to you? Yeah, actually, uh, I mean, STEM overall is is really, really important. If you just look at the last, whatever, 15 months that we've been in, the last year yes. that we've been in, look at how everybody's been able to work remotely. That's because of technology, right? The mm-hmm. um, vaccine development is because of technology. So people understanding the huge impact technology has in these ways on our lives in these ways that you don't even notice I think is really important but for me STEM is important to me because I feel that more girls more women should have better opportunities to be involved in STEM and making IT accessible to girls in a way that's cool to them as well as to the boys in their classroom is super important to me. I think a lot of times it's it's represented one way or another and there are ways to make it palatable and exciting and appealing to everybody. So I connected with you on LinkedIn and I like I said I read your bio and I really liked it. What does it mean to you when you say you want to make the most of your moments? I think it's really just, that's my way of living my life. I think for a lot of my younger, while I was in my 20s, I kind of let my life happen to me a little bit. And I kind of just went, where where can I find a job? That's what I'll do. 
to me, I, I like to look at what I'm going to have happen in a given day and figure out how do I bring the best version of me to that thing and make that moment really matter so that at the end of the day, I can look back and feel like, yeah, I accomplished something in that moment. So, you know, I do a lot of work with the LGBT Center and I coach youth soccer and I work at the library. Each moment that I'm in, I try to bring my entire presence to that moment and not be thinking like, oh, I'm here recording a podcast with Sonia, but I'm actually thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner tonight. <laughs> it's, it's easy to fall into that. And to me, it's, sure. it's important to stay focused where you are because you get so much more out of life and you feel so much better at the end of the day. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I think a lot of young people definitely let their lives happen to them. I, I like the way that you put that. What advice would you give to our younger generations, women in their 20s, about how to avoid that, maybe how to get into that making the most of who they are? I mean, certainly I'm no expert in this. There are days that life still just happens to me and I let it happen. But <laughs> one of the things we try to focus on in our company is always paying attention to what the outcomes are that you want. So whether that's your life or a project or a meeting, what are you trying to have happen by the end of that meeting, right? And then structure everything that you do to aim toward the outcome that you want. So to me, that's really important when you think about what you want out of your life. And it might not be something like, I want to be a pilot or I want to be a software developer. It could be my outcome is just, I want to help people. And so I will try to focus everything I do around that specific outcome. And that actually just so happens to be the one that I realized, you know, five years ago, I want to help people. So how do I do that? So I try to do that in every facet of my life, including at work, being a mom, all of the other things I do. How can I help someone else? Why is it so important to you to give back to your hometown here in Reading? Oh my gosh, I love Reading. I grew up here and I have lived quite a few other places for quite a long time. I never thought I'd feel like I have to get back to Reading. This town is so unique. It's so beautiful. It's so multifaceted. I just, I love it here and to me, being a member of a community means that you have a responsibility to be an active contributor to that community. You don't get to complain about Reading unless you are actually being part of somebody who helps lift Reading up in the ways that you're complaining about, mm -hmm. right? But I just think it's... It's wonderful and I love living here and so I want it to continue to be a great place to live for my kids and my kids' friends. And I mean, I had my 40th birthday party last year at the Pagoda because I was like, oh, cool. of all the Reading things you can do, why not? And we had people who came from different states to come to the birthday party and they were like, this is the coolest little city that I would never visit normally. Right. Um, so to me, that's why it's important. We should all feel that pride and want to help it continue to be a place that we're proud to live. I watched the video on your page, My Love Letter to Reading. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed that. You know, I noticed so many places that I'm familiar with seeing things I drive by every day. So you did that video with your brother? Is yeah. That correct? My, I have two brothers. That was my youngest brother, Dane. He owns Garage Strength in Fleetwood. And he, like me, is just, he just loves this town and it's, 
so much a part of who we both are and who are our other brother Brooks. We wouldn't be who we were without this city, without this place. Right. So it's really important to 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 love the people and the places and the things that made you. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, you got to love them for being part of your story. Right. And so that that was his way of telling his story. Yeah. Yeah, that was really neat. So since you own your own business now and and your brother does as well, can you talk a little bit about how your education prepared you to do that? Yeah, actually, all three of us own our own businesses, and our dad was an entrepreneur as well. My mom was a teacher. My dad became a teacher. So education was really important in our lives. Having two teachers for parents, you don't get away with bad grades, right? (laughs) Sure. But we were not, you know, we weren't valedictorians or anything like that. We just, we were expected to do our best. We were expected to go to college. That was never really on the table for us. It was expected we would go to college. So I started out at Boston University, which I loved, but realized I didn't, I, I would have been in debt for the next 20 years of my life. So I transferred to University of Houston, which I could pay for myself. And it really had a huge impact. That's what brought me to Johnson Space Center. It's what helped me learn to take criticism because I was an English major. So I had to workshop my writing. I think it prepared me to hear some hard truths that Mm -hmm. helped me later in very high pressure situations in the federal government, you're going to have people who are very unhappy with decisions you're making. And if you can handle that, great. But yeah, my college experience was different from some of the other people my age. And I think it the uniqueness that I had between a private school and then a state school and the programs I was in were perfect for preparing me for my career. What advice would you give someone who's maybe kind of in the same sort of situation? They've started in one thing, now they're not sure that's really the way they want to go, and they're kind of not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Ooh, that's a good one. I always, with things like that, they might feel like they're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that all of us, probably when we're in those situations, there is one thing that's kind of pulling us, but we to get to that place, we would have to have some difficult conversations with people. So in that respect, I would say never shy away from a difficult conversation. Just think about what you want your outcome to be from that conversation and think about what you're going to say before you have those conversations. Always be playing toward the outcomes that you need for yourself and recognize when maybe your outcomes might need to change a little bit based on what you truly need from your life. That's Mm -hmm. okay. I mean, my life did not go at all the way I thought it would when I was 19, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Not even close. But, you know, at 41, I found myself sitting at a table having breakfast with the publisher of Fast Company and Inc. magazine. And all I could think was like, oh my God, 20-year-old Kai would have been so happy with this. Yes. Um, (laughs) So... You know, everything, if you are intentional about what you're doing and you're really thinking about what you're doing every day, your life is going to get to where you need it to go. It just might not be where you thought it was going to go Mm -hmm. at that age. And it's really going to be okay. That's honestly the number one piece of advice I would give is it's going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. And the things you think that are going to matter now, you're going to look back and it'll be like a blip on the radar. 
That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us today. And your story has been so inspirational and so interesting to listen to. So thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. If you are interested in starting your education, we can help you get there. The RAC Liberal Arts Associate of Arts program prepares students to transfer into bachelor programs with a completed general education core. Classes include humanities, math, and sciences, along with critical thinking and leadership development. Other programs are also available, so be sure to visit rack.edu academics to learn more about what we offer. To get started today, call 610-607-6224 or email admissions at rack.edu. Classes start throughout the year, and you are never more than a few weeks away from your new beginning. Be sure to check back each week as we bring you more local stars and stories of student success. Download the app or visit us at buzzsprout.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, or iHeartRadio. I am Sonia Rieger on the Reading Area Community College Podcast, and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye. Bye.